Hot topics and interviews. And that's just how we do it. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. It's the Entertainment Man Podcast. Entertainment Man Podcast is brought to you by Crispy on the Web. Go to crispyontheweb.com for more information, social media, and much, much more. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Entertainment Man Podcast. I'm your host, Chris and Man. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to a interview podcast. It is good to be back once again, and thank you guys so much for the love and support the last little while. It's been a bit of a struggle with Crispy on the Web and, you know, hate the haters kind of hating on me and, you know, having friends turn on me. But thank you guys for always having my back there. And uh, thank you to all the subscribers on YouTube and also on the audio-only platform. Uh, small note, I'll may as well say this, that, uh, I am sorry about what happened with Mixcloud. Apparently, I cannot post on there anymore. So, I have already deleted the Mixcloud profile. And we'll be focusing on the one RSS, RSS feed for the audio only. So, you still get it on iTunes and all that. And Spotify and uh, Apple. Uh, not Apple. Uh, what's it called? Amazon Music for podcasts. We are actually on there now. Thank you to Amazon for uh, bringing, you know, allowing my podcast to be on that platform. It's good. So, today, I have Shane Flynn. Again, how's it going, Shane? I'm doing very well, Chris, and uh, thank you for having me on today. You're you're looking quite spectacular today. I love the blue on your uh, headphones. Oh, thank you. you. Good, brother. You're looking good. Blue's my favorite color, so I love it. Great, red's my favorite color, as you can. Yeah, tell. and you're you're, you're kind of wearing. I don't know if that's red or orange you're wearing today. It looks orange. Kind though. of an orangey reddish. Yeah, I, I always like to live a little bit loud. Yeah, Kurt hung out by my glass. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's just like. Howie Mandel on uh, America's Got Talent. He always has those colorful glasses every time. That that's right, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I my wife usually says to me, "You're not wearing that out the supermarket, are you?" On the weekends, and it's usually something very loud and and has Tasmanian devil on it or something like that. It's like a nudie, you know, a wearable blanket and some yeah. of these cartoon characters on. She goes, "You're not coming like that, are you?" You know. So I I totally get it. Yeah. So uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, um, I am a Canadian, mm-hmm. and uh, I am from Niagara Falls. Uh, Canada, and um, and that's in Ontario, in the province of Ontario. And uh, from here, um, I had a dream, and that uh, that dream was to be in law enforcement. And I was neurodiverse. Um, and and for your listeners, um, I'll just ask them to Google that, so I don't have to go into a great explanation about neurodiverse. But just Google that, and you'll understand it. Uh, I was neurodiverse from a young child with dyslexia. Uh, my mother tried to um, steer me in the direction of sweeping floors on a, on a factory floor, which I told her, you know, that wasn't for me. I wanted to be a police officer. I wanted to be a law enforcement. That's what I was wanted to do. But because of all my issues, which in, back in the day weren't, weren't even realized fully yet, they didn't understand what they were looking at, the educators, um, I pushed. And my dad even said, listen, you know, you can start in my factory and work your way up. And see, you, they were trying to do this put me to the best place that they thought my abilities would, would, would flourish. And I dismissed that totally. I thought, what, that must be the, boor- you know, the most boring job in the world. And, and no, mm-hmm. no offense to any factory workers, I'm just saying, mm-hmm. it wasn't for me. And in saying that, uh, I did end up getting into law enforcement and uh, achieved the dream. Now, now I want to say that in the respect of what I 
what looked to be the dream to me as a child, seeing police interacting with people, seeing the police cars, etc. But that dream has really just been illusion. Mm-hmm. I found that I found that out very quickly, and I spent eight years in public law enforcement before going into and creating and pioneering my very our area's very first private police or private law enforcement. Mm-hmm. They called it private policing. I did that with my wife. We uh, we were pioneers in that industry. Uh, Ten years. Uh, I meet a guy in the middle of the night. Um, I trained all my guys just like police department had certified and that they knew their law they knew their use of force etc etc all the things that i was taught i had them certified regularly in mm-hmm. so i meet this guy who changes my life and he was fresh out of prison i went to arrest them long story short and i ended up with complex post-traumatic stress disorder it's the worst fight of my life uh <clears throat> in all of my law enforcement life it was a one-on-one fight the guy was high on drugs skinny as a rake and as you can tell i'm not uh and uh he tossed me and my new first night out partner like a ragdoll tossed us around like a ragdoll. wow Mm-hmm. Uh, that caused me to have the, or, or to, that ignited the PTSD, mm-hmm. the complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. And that eventually led me to therapy, which in our area was a year or two out. So I paid for it out of pocket. And my wife left me. She said, until you go see a doctor and get better, I, because I, I, I was giving a lot of verbal, and I didn't understand, I was sick. I was giving a lot of verbal abuse to her, um, t- interrogating her really every time she came back from somewhere. Mm-hmm. This was new. I had never done this before. Oh, yeah. And, and she said, when you get help, I will come back. And I went to a doctor, and he said, that's a classic PTSD. Mm-hmm. And so he he got, I got myself into therapy. My wife came back home, and over 18 years I spent with one therapist. And she really did save my life because... In having PTSD, you feel you feel all the all the effects of it: the suicidal tendencies, uh, seeing people that aren't there, auditory mm-hmm. and visual hallucinations started to mm-hmm. occur. Um, and I was basically told by the therapist, "You can never go back to the dream." So here I had built up this spectacular company over ten years, and one minute of trying to arrest the guy changed the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. I had to close the business down. I was in a mental shambles, sat on the couch while my wife worked three jobs to support the family. And she finally said, "Please, I need some help. I'm I'm starting to burn out." And <laughs> that's when I had a good friend suggest to me, "You know, you if you got a fake beard." You make an excellent Santa Claus. <laughs> what? You know, to go from law enforcement to being a Santa Claus is—it's uh, just ludicrous, it seems. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll tell you. And he said, "You'll you'll make enough to help your family survive." So I thought, okay, I'll give it a try. And you know, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And so I said to my my very young wife, seven years younger than I am, I said to her, I said, "When I grow my gray beard, mm-hmm. I am going to look a heck of a lot older than you." Does that bother you? She was, "No, I love you for who you are. I know what you're doing. You, you know, you're doing Santa. You're growing the beard. Go ahead." And uh, now I have people approach me and say, "Oh, is this your granddaughter?" Referring to my wife mm-hmm. that really goes over well with my wife and it makes me laugh i say no no that's my wife well you should see the looks on their faces okay <laughs> so fast forwarding 20 years later 
I still do Santa at Christmas time, hence the picture in the background, mm -hmm. hence the Santa Claus over my shoulder. I'm a Santa Claus for children at Christmas and have been. And and, uh, and I travel all throughout Ontario doing this and, and have been in commercials, etc. But when Christmas is over, the crickets kind of come along. Mm -hmm. And so I naturally took my policing experience and how I was able to help people. And I and I, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm on a journey myself because I was still suffering as we were playing the doctor was medicated began to medicate me for post-traumatic stress disorder you know giving me the lorazepams giving me anything that'll calm me the heck down mm -hmm. when I'm anxious and sent me on my way when it came to a psychiatrist that the meds tripled and I, I began to understand and she did make it quite clear to me that this is a process this is a journey because it, we have to hit the sweet spot with the mm -hmm. medication and that's going to take maybe two three weeks and so you're going to mm -hmm. feel all out of sorts well i'll tell you you know that's a heck of a roller coaster to get on but when you hit the sweet spot which i finally did um i was good but i kept the, i kept the therapy up 18 years remember mm -hmm. cutting edge therapy for ptsd on me and it worked to a degree and then i left my therapist my original therapist for six years one day i was crushed to the point of, of like a bug just hit me sitting down watching tv one day all everything came rushing back all the terrible thoughts suicidal thoughts the out of control crazy not feeling thought and i went back to that same therapist and she said oh well, that's all outdated now i've got something new and we're going to start at the womb. We're going to start right back for when you were born. And I said, I'm out. 18 years of it, I'm not starting again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm out. Yeah, that's a long time. So at that time, I had a, a friend who I hadn't... Or I, I'm sorry, I'm just going to digress for a minute. So at that time, um, mm -hmm. I took the medication. And all of a sudden, people began to appear in my life that I now call teachers. And I began to learn differently about how to untangle the social program that we all grow up with that we don't know about until somebody says it like i just said it mm -hmm. and then we all go oh shoot yeah that's right um i began to get heavily into the mind art and hypnosis and um you know and and, and learning how as a neurodiverse person i could help people the best and i didn't call myself a a life coach but i, I called myself a spiritual person who loved to help people and and they came in droves for for years and I, I helped. And then when I, I discovered life coaching was when, and it wasn't even on my radar. It was, it was when I met my good friend of 20 years. So I'm going along this journey and I'm learning, and, and so I enter into the world of shamanism. You know what that is? No, I never heard of it actually. It, it's 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 actually uh, it's the indigenous way of living. Okay. For, okay. So like the witch doctor in the village, the medicine man. Yes. Is a better term, the medicine man. Mm -hmm. um, I went for years and spent three years in the wilderness with a, a female shaman who taught me ancient ways of healing. Mm -hmm. So while I'm on all this medication and I had gotten all this therapy, I'm now thrust into 
the, the, the wilderness with bears and moose and all kinds of different things that I had never experienced. And I quickly turned and learned mm -hmm. how to live in the wild and how to work. And this is going to sound a little woo-woo, but how to work with the spirits of forest and the energies of that forest and the animals and so forth. Mm -hmm. and, um, and and we did I did that for three years. So coming out of that, I had a lot of knowledge. So I, I had spent 18 years with a therapist. She called me her co-therapist. That's how much time I spent with it. My therapist called me her co-therapist. My shamanic teacher um, took me completely on another journey of life, which I am so thankful. And it was like when I came back, Ty, things were really complicated. They weren't simple like they were in the woods. Mm -hmm. It was a really weird feeling for me, never having experienced that before. Mm -hmm. I completed my three years of shamanism training, and then I started Shades of Broken which was uh, just before North Pole Lifeboat. And uh, I became a life, and I took the certification, and I coupled it with all of the ancient teachings and current teachings of the world with regards to neurodiversity, with regards to human mental health. And I put it together in a, in a journey. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I don't like to call things a program. And it's not a play on words. Because a program, when you go to join a program, you, it usually denotes that there's a finish line. Yeah. There's an end, right? Yes. And a journey mm -hmm. says there is no finish line. And, and, and I tell people that openly. I mm -hmm. says the only person that will tell you when you're done. Yeah. I, that's what I call my journey with my mental health. I call it a journey because there is no end. There's always going to be, like, there's always going there to cut you off there. But, uh, like, okay. you, like, one journey, like, uh, a journey will never end. You're, it's a whole life. Your whole life is a journey, right? Exactly. Yeah. And we've been, I think we've been programmed to think that you take a Saturday, Sunday program and, and, and you just accumulate a lot of certificate. Mm-hmm. And they hang on your wall and get dusty and you don't do anything with, you know, I, I, I remember when I used to, mm -hmm. when I first got into this, you know, oh, what's that for? What's that? <laughs> but it was all like weekend stuff. And, you know, n no offense against weekend workshops. I do them mm -hmm. too sometimes. But this is, what I'm showing you is just pieces of the journey put together. Mm -hmm. And then I'm letting, I'm, I'm, I'm supporting my client, not, I'm supporting them by putting a different pair of lens on. Mm -hmm. So right now my clients look through their eyes like this. And they don't have an optometrist. I'm an optometrist. And so I'll put on these special pair of glasses and I help them see life for what it is a lot clearer. Mm -hmm. yeah. So 20 years later, after I finished my shamanism, I, I meet a good friend who I hadn't seen in 20 years. And she's a life. And her name is Laura. And she said to me, I would be willing to help you with my life coaching style if you would be willing to be helped. Oh, and I thought, well, I don't know what a life coach does. So And I, and I just dropped out of fitness. Of, of a therapy because I'm not going through that wound stuff again. Mm -hmm. um, sure, I'll give anything a try. It's all <laughs> education. It's all learning. It is. She did in four sessions, four one-hour sessions of life coach, what 18 years of traditional therapy could not. She totally changed my life. All my symptoms of my post-traumatic stress disorder were gone. All of my anxiety was gone and I was hooked. I went, wow. What in the world just happened that you could achieve this and I said can I mentor with and she said yeah and I mentored with her and she was amazing and I I'm, I I, I rebranded from shades
Shades of Broken to North Pole Life. And I just did this this past January. Mm-hmm. And Shades of Broken was, was, was running for a number of years. But I just thought because I play Santa at Christmas time that it's a nice North Pole Life post. Yeah. Right what I do. It's a, and it's unique. <laughs> what makes it even more unique mm-hmm. that I am only a women's i'm a male neurodiverse women's life and shamanic storytelling mm-hmm. that's a big mouth it is um i'm male tell that mm-hmm. i'm neurodiverse which means i have neurodiversity and i have a lot of neurodiversity uh i found out about six weeks ago i have what they call adult adhd mm-hmm. attention deficit hyperactivity disorder yeah. i just discovered this but I apparently i've had it all my life mm-hmm another journey so i'm a women's life as a man as a neurodiverse man and i'm a shamanic storyteller and, and you may ask what the what what stories do you tell i tell the story of my client that i work with. i help them tell their i help women i would never 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 step into this role and tell women what they already know <laughs> because right away when a man you know that yeah. i'm showing up as i am mm-hmm. and it's cute that i'm santa but what's this man going to tell me about being a woman mm-hmm. That is the usual question I get. And I like to tell people that I would never insult a woman by telling her what she already knows. In fact, I'd get a good pair of running shoes and start running if I told her that. What I do, however, is I help women discover what they don't know about themselves, what they don't know about themselves. And and I, I hear a lot of the question, well, what's that? I know everything about myself. Not really. There's a lot you, there's a huge portion you have no idea about. And I take them along the journey that I've been on in my life, except it's their journey in their life. And I'm more of a mentor, guide and support system Mm -hmm. a life support i'm life support which means that if you have questions i'm going to teach you how to see what i see to live in peaceful perfect surrender personal surrender Mm -hmm. and tranquility every single day that's what i teach people women to do All right. Uh, actually, a funny thing. A lot of these questions I had on my first page, like check, 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 check. It just, just it just perfect. You hit it off right away. Uh, I'm so happy. Yeah, it makes my job a lot easier, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yes. What are the signs of PTSD? I'm sorry. What are the bleh, What are the signs of PTSD? Oh, what are the signs? Okay, this is a, this is an excellent question. And again, I encourage people. It's different for every person who has PTSD, just mm-hmm. like ADHD is different for every person yep. who has that. I'm going to say as well, I like when I talk to people in the street, when I talk to friends and their, you know, whoever their friends or wives or families, mm-hmm. and those people start telling me about themselves, there mm-hmm. are certain key words that I hear. Yeah. And I could, and I know there's some mental health issue there because that's what I experienced. And so some of the signs of PTSD are acting. Okay. Let me give you a, let me give you an example using myself. Mm-hmm. I'm a very quiet, easygoing person. When I the one of the very first signs was aggression mm-hmm. coming out of nowhere, verbal aggression. I would break my children's toys if I stepped on them. I would pick them, and you know, yeah, that hurts. You step on a toy. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, I would pick that toy up, and when I was done with it, it would be in a million pieces, and I would be jumping up and down like a cartoon character on it. Yeah. My wife would sit there with her mouth open. Now you can imagine, I'm a quiet guy. If that happened, I'd go before I go. Wow, that really hurt. 
now, boys, you have to keep your your toys aside so Daddy doesn't step on them. Mm-hmm. Instead, I lost my I lost my mind. So aggression uh, that is unusual mm-hmm. really, over a prolonged period of time. Yeah. Um, and that could be too weak for you know prolonged is whatever you decide is prolonged. Uh, one of the other greater symptoms of PTSD uh, is not being able to sleep well, not being able to sleep well, and that is huge because when you can't sleep well, it aggravates the symptoms, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden your partner is sitting down on the couch in the dark or just sitting on the couch in the daytime kind of in this haze. Mm-hmm. They, you can see this haze come over their eyes and it's all unexplained. Mm-hmm. So we've got aggression and we've got a couch potato that is in a haze that can't communicate like they used to. Mm-hmm. And everything you ask is an aggressive response back. Usually happens and it can happen in PTSD to anyone those are just two symptoms yeah. that i would watch out for if i mm-hmm. was uh, if i was somebody watching out for that but you know people usually will then say well you only have to look out for that if you're in emergency services or mm-hmm. the army um that's not true no my ptsd uh, through therapy i found this out came from being sexually abused as a child mm-hmm. came from a disturbing family upbringing that's when ptsd started yeah and then i wasn't allowed that little one wasn't allowed to speak out that child in me wasn't allowed to speak out as i was being physically and sexually assaulted Mm -hmm. and so when i had that fight where i was trying to wrestle with that guy and get him in custody Mm -hmm. i was trying to place him under arrest and he he was full of drugs that was the 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 way the therapist explained it that was the mat yeah the wick Mm -hmm. to the bomb and once that bomb exploded all the trauma childhood forward rushing up it Mm -hmm. became post-traumatic stress disorder or complex post-traumatic stress disorder um and i thought isn't that something so because i always blamed it on the arrest yeah not the trauma that i Mm -hmm. i I had as a child so um if you have and and i'm going to say this in all risk to Mm -hmm. everybody if you feel your friend your partner your whatever you want someone close to you an extended or or close family member begins to act out of character, mm-hmm. uh, particularly with aggression being the first one of the first major sign um, night nightmares in their sleep. Um, and oh, I'll give you the third one, which is also flashback. So I had a flashback. My wife and I went out for a beautiful dinner one night. And we went to a movie, bought the VIP seats. Boy, you get mm-hmm. a reclining chair. I was in my glory. Look, there was nothing yeah. wrong. No. The movie that came on triggered me halfway through the scene that triggered me, mm-hmm. and it was about it was it was a, a policeman fighting with this guy on the movie. Yeah, and I started to bawl, and mm-hmm. I curled up in the fetal position on the floor mm-hmm. in the seats, oh. and my wife had to pick me up and take me like a fireman would put her arm, put my arm over her, and yeah. walk me out of the theater that way. Yeah. So watch for flashbacks as well, and that was a flashback for me. Mm-hmm. And so you know. And, and as a caregiver to someone with PTSD or, or any type of neurodiversity, um, expect that you're going to need help as well, eh? Yeah. Oh, definitely. I've been, I've been through kind of like that. Well, actually, I have uh, PDD, which is um, ah, oh, was it persuasive development disorder? I think that's what it's called. Okay. And I've gone through a lot of you know depression. I've gone through it when I originally when I because the YouTube channel you subscribe to it's not actually not my original YouTube channel. I had another one that is deleted, but I mean I left. I was a what do you call it? Oh 
Um, I was a con- I created web theories on YouTube originally way back right. in the day, and um, uh, I quit. I ended up quitting YouTube in 2016. That kind of triggered a lot of you know a lot of I don't know a lot of hatred towards my team because a lot of ill will I guess against my team as things didn't things ended not so good I guess not in good not in good terms so to speak. Right. But you know I know how it feels. It's uh, I went through some counseling and I went through some behavioral therapy as well here and it right. did me some wonder actually on my white no, my, like where my cork board which you kind of see in the corner there yes by the door i have a little chart it has like go for a walk listen to music watch the three stooges you know i have all my little trick that i do and i always go over there and i walk over and i look at it and say, okay i'm gonna do this one today right so yes i like that idea actually yeah. you know that you do that because i i do as well one of the greatest tools mm-hmm. in my tool belt um that i have for people and and again i'm still on the journey now just with something new called adhd again we're going through that mm-hmm. sweet spot med thing and we're trying you know and i'm feeling all kind of wonky some days and perfect connect but anyway i digress this is the best tool in my tool belt a sticky note yeah i have i use these all the time in my studio these... oh i love them and the sharpies yeah i got my and... i got a whiteboard right next to me i keep all my ideas down on the board so i kind of have all my entire layout the schedule and everything it's handy to have oh it, it, you know something i never realized it. like i i don't know do you, let me ask you a question Chris. Mm-hmm. when you go into a, a stationary store where they sell this stuff right yeah like staples for example <laughs> yeah yeah do you, do you love it do i love, love it. Going in it oh i, I love it i can't get out of there my wife Gave me gave me the authority to buy sticky notes. Mm-hmm. I came up with sticky notes and sharpies. <laughs> it's you know that dopamine really. Mm-hmm. I couldn't go into a stationary store and not buy another journal, which I don't need because I've got twenty already that I haven't used. Yeah, I I don't know where mine mine's in my it's in my backpack probably. Actually, I have a journal. I keep kind of keep my thoughts on crispy on the web stuff. I have, it has, uh, what does it say? Work hard, sleep hard. Yes, I love it. I already got a page in there. I got to update it. I have to update it, but it has like a little little thing, bookmark, so it's handy to have. It's always right yeah. here next to me, so I kind of, every day I try to write in there uh, what's going on, how I'm feeling and all that. Yes, absolutely, and it, it's so helpful, isn't it? It is. It really is, and and I mean, I will say one of the most difficult tasks I have with my clients is getting them to go back to writing mm-hmm. in a journal, Yeah. and that's because they're, you know, everybody's used to yep. doing their notes on their phone, and I... <laughs> I mean, I put notes on my phone, but journaling is just a very authentic, earthly core to it. <coughs> Excuse me. So yeah. I like to uh, encourage my clients. <coughs> it's getting over a bit of a, a bit of a cold. Uh, I try to encourage my clients to use it yeah. every single day and to get into the habit. Because once you get into the habit, mm-hmm. you love it. Yeah, I should do that myself. I should get into journaling in my little book keep my uh, notes and thoughts about crispy on the web in here I yeah should... absolutely absolutely so <clears throat> my um I, i'm gonna just tell you you know and and, and part of the i'm a unicorn mm-hmm. because part of part of being in a woman's world and everything i you know i've always gravitated towards the feminine side of my masculinity mm-hmm. uh I've, I've always been a very soft kind of guy 
you know, and and I'm not a, a you know a, a, a guy that finds themselves in the bars doing the rah 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 thing and going over to house parties. I, I don't like any of that because mm-hmm. alcohol, as you know, uh, I dealt with it enough in policing. It changes people usually for the worse. Uh, if if not, you're 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 dealing with a soggy mess that's laying on a floor, you know, mm-hmm. urinating and and it's just awful. You know, it is. So yeah. I, I don't go near any of that because that disturbs my. Mm-hmm. And so what I teach in my journey to women is how to live an unfiltered life, loving your life. And you're at that stage. And I find that everybody finally reaches that stage somewhere in their 30s, maybe even 40s, where they go, there's something more to all this. And I'm a little tired of going on the hamster wheel. Yeah. I think to learn and see mm-hmm. what isn't being shown to me. And if you if you re, if you ever remember the movie, Chris, and I don't know if you've ever seen it called The Truman Show. I've heard of Jay it. Perry. Yeah, I've heard of it. I've never seen it. I gotta put that where's my sticky notes? I'm gonna put that. The, please do. You 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 will enjoy that movie as much as I did. Yeah. And the premise of it being that from a baby, they took this baby, put mm-hmm. it in a make-believe world with actors and mm-hmm. told the baby that it was all real. And the baby would grew up into a man who did the same thing every day. They had the actors mm-hmm. in the movie um, playing actors in this film mm-hmm. created city. And it would be broadcast to people like an experiment. Yeah. But eventually Jim Carrey bumps into this. There's this water and he mm-hmm. goes out on his boat and he eventually bumps into the wall that looks like a a horizon mm-hmm. and, he, and there's a he finds a set of stairs he goes up those stairs and when he gets to the top he finds the doorknob and he opens that doorknob i'm not gonna ruin it for you mm-hmm. but he realizes at that point he's been had all his life yeah the real world exists beyond that 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 wooden facade mm-hmm. and this is literally what's happening now in society we are dealing and i was just talking with my wife about this last night mm-hmm. we're dealing with a paradigm shift we're dealing you know it was it was the great depression of our parents era changed things yeah. changed society when it all got back together mm-hmm. again and started functioning covid that two years really screwed things up mm-hmm. i agree my own son who you know as parents and they don't have the uh, they don't have the parent guidebook that says this i wish i could find one but it doesn't say this so i do want a refund on my original parent handbook <laughs> but my son graduate and can't go to graduation from yeah. grade 12. Mm-hmm. you know like, there's dances and there's girls and there's all that stuff that goes along with it yeah the prom and all that yeah he didn't get to experience any of it, nor did a lot of mm-hmm. people graduating. And that, you know, like, it, this is, I said to my wife, this, there's an evolution happening now, just like in the, from the Great Depression mm-hmm. of our society. COVID, that two years of COVID, mm-hmm. was the time for all the changes to make to take place while COVID took the spotlight. Yeah. So the changes of life change. We've advanced, I feel. Mm-hmm. But people aren't knowing how to handle what they don't know. They they fell in love, as people do, mm-hmm. with the security of having a floor under your feet, a carpet under your When COVID pulled that carpet out, mm-hmm. people went, oh, gosh, I'm going to fall. When really all they had to do was either keep walking forward, you know, or stand there. And nothing would have happened. People are all messed up. And, and you're hearing it in mm-hmm. the shooting. 
and in the stabbings and all yeah. the things that are happening, people it seems like they're 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 mentally losing their stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I teach my clients that no matter what happens mm -hmm. in the world, no matter what somebody says, no matter how life looks, it's all an illusion. It's yeah. all an illusion. Yeah. And and then I have you know that i have tools to back up those facts yeah and and listen it's not lost on me mm -hmm. it's not lost right right um I'm, I'm, I, that i'm santa claus and, and and i'm part of that illusion right right so let me ask you this mm -hmm. and i know we've got just a little bit of time left i guess on our clock yeah you you tell me when to stop you know how much time i've got all right what do you think about five minutes uh let's go about 10 it'll be okay, okay. yeah all right um what is what is at seven years old eight years old rough roughly approximately mm -hmm. what is the number one question kids get asked by adults you know i don't know don't really know okay i'll give you the answer mm -hmm. so what do you want to do in life what do you want to be when you grow up oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yes yes i number one right yeah i was asked that when i was like seven you see yeah and we're asked that, are we not asked that same question mm -hmm. from seven years old until we're, we have to get that diploma from high school and until we're, we leave home. That same yeah. message. So what are you going to do? And the pressure as you reach grade 12 gets more and more. The question gets asked, so what have you decided? What if, what's your likes and dislikes? You've got to get a job. You know, you're going to, you're going to have to do something. You can't mm -hmm. leave around after high, you know, and it's, it's this question, right? Right. And we ask people, children, that question, when they don't have any life knowledge to give you a proper answer, mm -hmm. they don't know. Nope. Even if they say, I want to be a policeman like I did, <laughs> what knowledge did I have about being a policeman other than you get, to, you get to have power and you get to flash those lights on the roof every <laughs> once in a while and, and, mm -hmm. and catch bad guys? That's all I knew. But I'll tell you, that's not all there is. That's it. Yep. There's, an un, there's a dark side to that whole part that I didn't even realize. And so that wasn't my dream, and I found that out. So we're asking kids, and we're and I mean kids until you're 20, and we get more forceful. Well, you gotta, you, you know, what do you, you gotta find a job. You gotta find a job. You gotta know what you want to do for the rest of your life. And to my way of thinking, you can't ask them that. They don't know. Yeah, They're exactly. In a classroom. Right? Mm -hmm. They're sitting in a classroom getting all this instruction on this and that and the other thing. Who knows? And let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. And I just said this to my son the other day who's working a job that he hates and wants to quit. I, I, and he's just 20, okay? So he's yeah. one that missed graduation. And I said to him, he says, I hate my job, Dad. He says, so what are you going to do about it? He says, I don't know. I said, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay said, to not okay know, right? not know. Mm -hmm. And nothing says you have to do anything. Nothing says that. Where did we get the concept that we have? To, well, we have to. One lady responded to me, you have to make money uh, to live, to buy groceries, to, you know, send our kids uh, the house, the white ticket fence, the husband, the dog, the whole bit. We need money for that. That's why. Who says? Who says you're not going to meet the man of your dream? Mm -hmm. Who says you've got to act out? And have all this great job and you know you're gonna paint the perfect norman rockwell picture life so this person will marry you or be with you and that's fake yeah you don't know what the hell you're doing either you're that's... just following what your parents did exactly yeah so anyway i find it a, a ludicrous question and i and and, mm -hmm. and i hope 
that kids can stop being asked what you want to do with your life. And listen, Chris, you may be the recipient of some nasty emails from haters that hear me say this. Uh, I may be the recipient, and, and I'm okay with that. I've got a pretty thick skin. Yeah, me but too. It's a silly question to ask, really. When it you, is, and yeah. Yet, uh, Santa Claus, I remember in the early years, I would lean over and say to a child, so what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, mm-hmm. it was part, it was a conversational piece mm-hmm. after you asked them what they want for Christmas. Once I realized that that is the dumbest question on earth and they can't answer it anyway, I tossed it away. Mm-hmm. So that, I, you know, that's just a small piece of living an unfiltered life, which is creating your personal boundaries, forcing them and not, and, and deprogramming yourself yeah. from all the societal norms that are presented the way you should live. Exactly. I wanted to be a bus driver when I was around seven, and that completely changed. And I ended up wanting to work in a like uh, in the gardening se- sector, and then then, who, then I started doing YouTube on a regular basis, and then now I'm doing podcasting. Like I never thought I would be doing YouTube and podcasting. What seven, almost seventeen years later? Isn't that something? Now that's interesting. I I always the second to being a police officer, I always wanted to drive a bus. Really? Yeah, yeah. that was my dream. I yeah. and and so I used to go around on my little bicycle pretending I was a bus. But anyway, same here. Same um, here. I, I was a lot smaller then and to ride a bike, but uh, heavier now. Um, only because you keep feeding me the cookies that you leave me out on Christmas <laughs> Eve, Chris. Uh, that that keeps me from riding my bike. Um, but anyway, if you left me carrots, I probably would eat them. I'll give them to the reindeer. Uh, but yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, it, it's uh, when I got out of law enforcement, I had an opportunity came mm-hmm. along, and wasn't it to be a school bus driver? And I thought, well, I really like city bus. I'd love to drive a city. I don't know why. I just love yeah. big driving machines, right? Right. And but the school bus, oh my goodness, it's huge. And I went for the training. I was, I drove it like really well. I was actually surprised about backing this huge school bus in and out of pine ho- or um, uh, traffic cones. And, and all that and I was so good and loved the job of being a bus driver so much and the parents at the end of the year gave me a, an award signed by all the parents and they asked school board if I could be the bus driver for the next year now we were moving away the next year so I never got to continue but I got a taste of what it was like to be a bus driver so sorry that's I, I awesome kinda, yeah. I kind of squirreled off there but I wanted to tell you that story about being a person. that's awesome and, yeah that's fine uh, you know it's just I don't care how long this podcast it, it's awesome it's a conversation i love the most about doing these interviews so yes. I, i'm just letting you do the talking it makes my again makes my job easier <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and, and i appreciate i appreciate you giving me the leeway i i can uh, my wife she'll put on the pause button about 20 times during a tv show because i'll go i'll raise my hand and say i have something to say and with adhd yep. apparently that's really common you mm-hmm. talk yeah so i have to be mindful and that is another portion of what i teach mm-hmm. is mindfulness mm-hmm. if you have to go to your local variety store which there's a million or in canada here we we as you know we have tim horton yes um what i teach people is there is so much 
more life and magic see if you walk. And and how do I know that? Because I do what I call walking meditation every day in a mm -hmm. very mindful way. It's very slow, it's very contemplative. I'm contemplating some type of feelings that I have or I'm contemplating on a tree or a leaf that fell in front of me. I'll pick up the leaf. I'll feel the veins that run through it. Mm -hmm. When that stopped, once we got our driver's license. So I encourage women to go back to that walk, but not a power walk. You know, I mean, I, I mean, there, that, that's exercise. I'm not saying. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying anything about that. That didn't come from me. <laughs> of all people, but what it does is it slows everything down. Because you're having to walk. Take the dog with you. Yeah. You're having to slow down, and you will. I promise you. I promise you. You will see things that you have never seen before mm -hmm. in all their authentic beauty. And I want you to approach those things. And whether you're picking up that fallen leaf that floated down as you walked along, that's yours. That's a sign for you to get closer to that leaf, to feel and touch the fencing and look at the grass and watch the people and how they're acting mm -hmm. and stand. So really, I am what they call, and my clients are what they call the silent observe and so i teach people don't get involved in what you see you're just along for the ride you see people figure they have control over anything and so i'll hear somebody come up and say well that didn't go according to the way i wanted it to and and, and you can put that on any type of subject you want and i'm kind of angry about that people would say to me and i'd say why are you angry well, I didn't get to say this, this, and this, and do, or do something, you know. And and the great thing about these interviews is I always used to, you get off the interview, and you're like, oh, why didn't I say that? Why didn't I say that? <laughs> you know, uh, you have to have the ability to, to, to let that go because you're trying to control outcomes. You have expectations of the way things are going to go, and life does it differently. <laughs> Yeah. And life wins every time. Life wins every time. The universe mm -hmm. wins every time. And I, I remember sitting with my shaman teacher in the woods by a fire we are having one night. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, you have your plan for life, but spirit has other plans for you. And that's what will trump you. So I learned very early on that, sit, that we're a speck of dust sitting on a planet hurtling through space. And we don't like the way our coffee, we don't like that we didn't get our 10 speed bicycle at 16 that we want. We don't like that. In fact, we hate the, you know, the people that didn't give us that present. And I hate the coffee people because they didn't make my coffee right. You don't control it. You don't control anything. Nope. And so you, what I tell people is you have to learn. And it's a process. It's not easy. We've been padlocked into different responses. I tell people you have to totally sit back, take a nice comfy VIP chair back here. You're going to be looking through your, your windows, mm -hmm. your eyes, and enjoy the ride. Stop interfering in which you have no control over, and you will be the happy Exactly. I agree. I totally agree. Uh, where can they find your book, uh, Shades of Broken? I know we don't have enough time today to talk about it, but where can they find your uh, your book, Shades of Broken? What is it about, briefly? Yeah, Shades of Broken is about my uh, my life leaving through my childhood years leading up to that big night when I, I tried to arrest that guy mm -hmm. and 
it taught there's there's a real big part of that that I'm not I don't ever, I don't talk about because I want people to read it. You have to read it in mm-hmm. order to understand it. Um, but it is the story of my journey through the sh- shamanism, through the police department, through childhood, through trauma, mm-hmm. that type of thing. And you can find that in my book called Shades of Broken on Amazon Kindle. Amazon mm-hmm. Kindle. Yeah. So you'll have to download the Kindle app. A lot of people are confused by that. And then you can download the book from that from the Amazon. Um, and so so uh, you'll really enjoy it. They've had lots of great reviews about it, and uh, and I would be honored to have you receive it electronic in an ebook format format from Amazon. Oh, definitely, yeah, I love that. Uh, anything else you like to talk about that we did not cover today? Well, I, just how people can, uh, and and I'm not sure whether you put this in the show notes. I'm sure I do. you do. Oh, uh, so I'll leave that. My website is the best place to make connection with mm-hmm. me. Uh, I have a self study member there where you can uh, be taught my way of life program uh, uh, that I have I don't like to call a program because people don't understand your journey but we'll call it my way of life journey um, and you can act access it when you'd like and it's updated with new content every month and and the le- one lesson builds on the next and so on and so forth or we can work one-on-one live which is also part of that membership mm-hmm. um, and that's all on my website all my social media and everything contact wise to get to me is on my website uh, NorthPoleLifeCoach.ca. Perfect. Uh, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast today, Shane. It was really great talking to you. It was a lot of fun. It was. I, I Chris, you know something? <laughs> and I'm not saying this because you're 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 there in front of me with those beautiful headphones. Um, this is, uh, and I and I'm being honest when mm-hmm. I say this to you. This is an interview that I've had the most fun on. And I thank you for that because you have made my life happier today. And I hope that we can do this again so that we can just kind of, you know, chew the fat a little bit about life coaching and about life and and some of the struggles that people have. Definitely. We can do that. Uh, Just... You have my email. You can always hit me up, and myself or my assistant, she'll uh, will be sure to set it, set it up. And we actually have well, the calendar link link uh, could be booked anytime. It's uh, once I think it's set for I think month, a one month period, and then I kind of do one month at a time because it's I don't want to go too far ahead of myself, you know. No, I hear ya. I'm gonna raise the sticky notes again. Yeah, I hear ya. I can only do one month at a time myself and sometimes even less. Yeah. So, yeah, just uh, shoot, send an email and then we can go from there. And if you ever want to come back on in the future, definitely let's make it happen for sure. Thank you so very much. That is very kind of you to say that. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, happy. Uh, it's Canadian Thanksgiving this weekend. So, happy Thanksgiving and uh, thank you for this time. I'm honored to have been a part of this conversation. No problem. As always, you can like the face- crispy and the web facebook on facebook crispy on the web twitter instagram at crispy on the web and i will see you guys next sunday for another episode of Enhman podcast i believe it's another interview so i can't wait for that until then have a good one bye for now take care thanks for listening we'll be back next week again for a fresh round it's the entertainment man podcast